Hey y'all, what is going on? What is going on? It's your girl, Melba Pearson, Melba for Miami, Melba for Justice, and it is time for another Mondays with Melba. Y'all, hope you had a great weekend. I know for the rest of us Florida folk are freezing right now because we are not used to this 40 degree foolishness that we fled the Northeast to get away from, right? So, but here we are, we're gonna make it work. Um, and also before I dive into my amazing guest today, wanna also um, center folks that are feeling trauma as a result of the Nazis, feeling the need to parade through Central Florida near Orlando. That's what they thought would be a good idea this weekend. So understanding that there is a lot of trauma uh, and rightfully so in our Jewish uh, communities, our Jewish friends and family want to definitely send support and uplift on um, what they're feeling and experiencing right now. And I would ask everyone to just really double down on your efforts to fight hate because it's hate is not something that just operates in one single silo. Like, oh, I'm a Nazi. That means I only hate, you know, people that are Jewish. Don't get it twisted. The Nazis hated LGBTQ folks. They hated black folks. They hated gypsies. So don't ever think that, oh, their oppression, that's happening over there. That has nothing to do with me. Listen, once they're done with them, they're going to come for you next. So it's, it's incumbent on all of us to make sure that we're speaking out against hate and that we're uplifting those that are raising awareness and are about equality and justice for all. All right. With all that being said, it is time for me to bring on amazing, amazing Jasmine Rogers, who I just adore. She's my forever woman crush Wednesday um, because she is just a boss and so dedicated to fighting for communities that don't have a voice. So I'm going to let her come on and talk all about, uh, first of all, welcome and tell the people about yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, such a privilege, privilege to always be in conversation with you, Melba. I always learn something. You have been an incredible leader and mentor for justice on all different levels. So I appreciate the friendship that we have, the relationship that we have, that whenever we need something talked about, whenever we need something handled, it's a phone call away. Uh, oh my so my name is Jasmine Rogers. Like Melba said, I use she and her pronouns. I am the founder of Folding Chair Consulting, where we're dedicated to Black women winning uh, and also supporting the folks that are down with Black women winning. Uh, so what that means is I get to do a lot of uh, consulting work with candidates, with organizations, with coalitions, uh, mostly centered around equity, gender and racial equity. Uh, and right now it's centered around reproductive freedom. Uh, so that includes reproductive health rights and justice. What is everything that goes into a person's decision whether or not to have a child or not have a child, and can they raise that child in a safe and happy environment? So I like to tell people that reproductive freedom, reproductive justice is not just about abortion access, right? It's a part of it. It's also about birth control. It's also about sex ed. It's also about the crime in your neighborhoods. It's about the police presence. It's about what schools are available, what healthcare is available. Those are all things that go into a person's decision to bring another life into this world, right? or decide, you know what, this planet's done, I'm good for now, right? Uh, those are all the things that we're considering, especially as Black women, as Black people, as queer people, as women in general, how can we raise children in safe environments? And what we're learning right now in the legislature is all of that is under attack, right? So if it wasn't just about abortion cuts uh, and the bans that they keep instituting every single session, 
we see that they're more focused on those things than the things that actually uplift and strengthen communities. Um, I heard a story yesterday about someone living in Miami Shores whose rent was going to go up from $5,000 to $7,000 beginning in February. February's right now. Like that's, that's an issue to Floridians. Other people that are having their rent increase from one month to the next by $1,000, right? In the middle of a climate crisis where they're predicting Florida's going to be underwater in 30 years or less. At the same time that we're facing police violence, at the same time we're seeing colds and winter storms that we've never seen before, at the same time our public schools are being defunded, Florida has decided that they're going to continue to attack our ability to make the best choices for our bodies, our families, and our homes uh, by attacking abortion. Uh, and again, that's one of the many attacks that are happening right now that are on our radar for reproductive freedom. They're also making it so that in schools, you can't make white children uncomfortable by discussing history or race or color or gender or national origin. And they also are pushing a bill that's called the don't, where we're calling it the don't say gay bill, um, where they don't want children to learn anything about uh, sexuality, um, but pinpointing on same-sex sexuality, right? Uh, we also have the Stop Woke Act. Uh, where they're trying to make sure it, they're calling it individual freedom. Um, we have bills related to doctors being able to decide who they want to treat based on their own religion or beliefs or morals, right? Like all types of craziness that is being pushed in this capital that still does not get to the root of the everyday problems that we're facing. Uh, so that's the the quick and dirty of some of the things that we're watching in legislative session that are moving really, really fast right now. And oh, it's dirty. It's right, dirty. right, very right. dirty, and not in any kind of a nice colloquialism at all. No. So to explore a little bit more about the bands, because um, you know, there's a narrative out there that's saying, you know, first of all, there's two bills that were introduced, one moving a little faster than the other. So one was a six week ban of, on abortion. So basically you can't have an abortion after six weeks. And then now there's a 15 week one, which is the one that has advanced out of committee. Can you talk about the differences between those two bills and why it's problematic? Cause I know there's a narrative out there that's saying, oh, it's 15 weeks. That's not a ban. Right. But right. when do people right. find out they're pregnant? Right. So, <laughs> you know, everybody's story is different. I have heard stories of people that did not know that they were pregnant until the moment they delivered. Had no idea for whatever the reasons are. Right. Like I'm not in their bedroom as none of us should be. Uh, we know people that have not found out until later because they have irregular periods. So them missing a period or a few period is not a big deal to them, right? We've heard all different types of stories that of people that do not know by 15 weeks. We also know that there are plenty of pregnancies that are wanted pregnancies, that are planned pregnancies, where folks find out about a fetal abnormality where the baby is not viable or endangers the life of the mother. And that can happen after 15 weeks, right? and goes into late-term abortion. I had a conversation with someone earlier uh, where they were talking about you know, the life of a child, the life of a child, and I said, no one is out here saying, have an abortion at eight, we at eight months and 15 days, right? Like that's not what we're advocating for. Uh, what we're talking about is before you have a viable life, uh, and that is what Roe v. Wade has codified, is the viability 
of a baby outside of the womb. And that is the cutoff for uh, abortion right now, federally. So when we talk about abortion in Florida, uh, we also say that abortion is a safe haven for, uh, Florida is a, a safe haven for abortion in the South. Because of our very, very strict privacy laws, you can get an abortion in Florida uh, up to 20 something weeks, right? Which gives people time for those fetal abnormality tests and all those different things, which also means people come to, to our state to get abortion when they can't get it uh, anywhere else. So the bill sponsor said, of the 15 week abortion ban said that her goal is to eliminate, well, she said reduce, but her, her goal is to eliminate abortions in Florida. Uh, so she would not have a problem with Floridians having to go to another state as long as they can't get an abortion here. The next closest state for Floridian to go, if this abortion ban it comes into place, would be North Carolina that she would have to travel to to get that abortion. So think about who that means abortion is accessible to, right? People with resources to either drive or fly there. Plus, there's a two-day waiting period, so that's time off of work, your recovery time if necessary, and then getting back home. Um, so that's the 15-week abortion ban. The six-week abortion ban that was filed last year uh, by the only Black Republican that we have in our legislature is a copycat of the Texas bill. That bill's not moving because I think, well, my opinion is they think that they thought that was a little too extreme. They saw the outrage of what happened in Mississippi. And I mean, Florida's real good at the chipping away, right, of things. Every year, it's something different, something a little bit more. So this feels like another chipping away with what they think they can get past um, with uh, the tolerable pressure, right? Because they're getting a lot of pressure, but I'm sure right now they think it's tolerable. And they think that 15 weeks is plenty of time. Um, it, it's interesting. This bill also does not exclude rape or incest, uh, which is something that people are pushing back on. Uh, and it's interesting that in the last committee hearing, uh, the sponsor, bill sponsor, she quoted somebody who said, you know, everybody loves someone in a, who has an abortion. And she got kind of teary and emotional. And she said, I am that someone too. So all of us are kind of holding our chest like, oh my gosh, she's about to share something. And she said that her sister had had an abortion. And then she said, I fight every day for her to have every option available to her. So all of us were like, say more <laughs> and then she said within 15 weeks <laughs> so it's like it's, it's this interesting dichotomy that they've weaved for themselves that's like you know people that have had abortions that whether they regret it or not has changed their life in in some way right and it was the best decision that they could make at that time with the information that they have so you're okay with making sure your family can still access abortion within a certain period of time. Uh, you're okay with making sure your family has all of the available options. Uh, and you know what, Senator Republican, they always will because of who you are as a person and the resources that you have. Um, so those are the two different bills. I would say I'd be willing to bet, like, don't think that 15 weeks is gonna be the end, right? These folks are, are not okay. They claim to not be okay with any level of abortion. Uh, they believe that life begins at conception. So don't be shocked if we get a 15 week this session and next week it's next session, it's something else like 10 weeks or maybe even the six weeks. Uh, don't be shocked if they continue to try to chip away and chip away and chip away. Yeah, I mean, this is so concerning on so many levels, especially as we see what's happening in Texas and Mississippi and sort of, I believe it's Louisiana that's now getting all the pressure of the folks who can't get access to abortions right. in 
Texas and Mississippi. So they're all driving to Louisiana. And again, the, the, the clinics in Louisiana have to deal with the folks that live there. Mm-hmm. Plus now the added folks coming in from out of state and now, okay, same thing in Florida. If it, right. God forbid passes here, now you've going to have to travel to whether it's Louisiana or North Carolina. Again, do you have money for that flight? Right. And right. also you have to be mindful of the number of weeks with regards to when their cutoff is. So right. if let's say you're at, you know, three months, right? So what is that? 12 weeks. If so you're at, let's say you're at right. the 15 weeks, 16 weeks, you're going to have to scramble and get to their first available appointment, which you right. would hope is in a week or two, right? Because you don't want right. it to push further because time is of the essence. So it creates right. all of these other issues. And, you know, one quote that I just love was that Roe v. Wade was not the beginning of people having abortions. Right. It was the end of people dying from them. And that mm. is what I think is getting lost in the frame is that folks will always go and have an abortion. The question is, right. are they going to do it in a clinic or a hospital? Or are they going right. to go to some back alley butcher and end up losing their lives? And right. the folks, as you mentioned before, can still get on a plane, take a little vacation right weeks to Mexico or Switzerland or whatever, come back with a little tummy tuck and a nice flat belly after having right. an abortion and no one's the wiser. And the folks right. that are middle class and poor or, or you know, under-resourced and can't get on that plane and take that little luxury vacation because they can't take the time off from work or whatever, they're stuck in a quandary. And what is being done to make sure that these children have access to services uh, once right. they're because it's real cute now to be like, oh no, we're you know anti-abortion, pro-life, all of this. But then once the child comes to be, what kind of neighborhood are they living in? If the mom goes and asks for resources, are they going to be looked at? Well, you're a welfare queen and you're this, and you should have kept your legs closed and all of the other arguments they use right. to smirch people who end up in a situation, right? Trying to do the right thing. So, you know, it's 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 definitely a bigger issue. But right. all right, pivoting for a second, let's. <laughs> about because there's a lot to talk about but let's talk a little bit about the don't say gay bill um and the and and the uh stop woke act so (laughs) about you know your thoughts on those two and what sorts of efforts are being done to kind of push back on both of those bills yeah so (laughs) i get to be on a lot of different calls and several different coalitions about these bills so the don't say gay bill is saying that there's a lot of restrictions on schools and education system, right? Uh, Not just from the learning that could take place in the classroom, but also even to the school board, right? Like what they're trying to do to school board members. Uh, So this don't say gay bill would prohibit any kind of conversations about sexuality. So my thoughts on it are, and I saw this on Twitter, so giving all credit to Twitter, was someone said, as long as your child understands husband, wife, mommy, daddy, aunt, uncle, boyfriend, girlfriend, they've already learned about sexuality. And that type of learning and that type of education happens very young, right, for children. So if they can learn about those types of relationships, why can't they learn about daddy, daddy, uncle, uncle? Why can't they learn about girlfriend, girlfriend, right? Mommy, mommy. Uh, Especially for the children that that is their reality, is mommy, mommy, right? Um, so yeah, so it's, it's just this, it's again, just making up these solutions for problems that literally do not exist, uh, in, in our schools. And I know that in some of the committees, folks were talking about, uh, 
the, they were outraged that they didn't want their kids to be gay. So there's several LGBTQ activists or even uh, Senator Severin Jones, who is gay, that have said like, how offensive, how offensive that you think that some book made me this way, right? Um, or there's a, a, a lesbian activist at Planned Parenthood who in her testimony, she said, I went to Catholic school and I'm still gay, right? Like I'm the child of a minister and still I'm dating a woman. Like all of these different things, it's like, there's there's no book about it. And that's just growing up, uh, being taught all of these different things. When we turn on the TV, it's mostly heterosexual people, all of these different things. So again, they're creating problems. And then I also talked to somebody else the other day that was like, you know, these Republicans better be careful because the quickest way to have young people and teenagers learn about something you don't want them to is to tell them you don't want them to. <laughs> so they, were, they were like, these kids are already on the internet. Like these kids are already on YouTube. You tell them not to look something up and they're going to learn everything about that thing. So good job. Good job taking away the books. Good job taking away these things. Uh, these these kids are going to learn and they're going to learn a lot more than you than you want them to um, by banning the books. So that's the, the Don't Say Gay Bill. Uh, the Stop Woke Act is um, in, in some very exact words and then also some other nuances. There are white legislators that are worried that white people are feeling too uncomfortable in all these talks of race and racism, uh, that there is a lot of like white attack that's going on. Uh, so they are banning, under this idea of individual freedom, they are, are banning conversations um, that cause discomfort uh, along the lines of race, class, um, gender, and national origin. So a lot of folks have been like, well, then how do we talk about American history <laughs> that's like rooted in white supremacy and rooted in patriarchy? Like, how do we talk about these things? Like, you don't want us to teach these things because those things are uncomfortable. Like, by the very fact of the matter, they're uncomfortable. And the bill sponsor said the last time, no, 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 no. We're not going to stop talking about slavery, but we're not going to we're not going to make white people or any specific group of people feel uncomfortable in learning about it. So I know uh, that bill's going up again in committee tomorrow. And I'm just wondering, like, how do you propose you talk about slavery and not talk about white supremacy? How do you propose that you talk about slavery and you don't have any pictures that show just black people <laughs> in fields? And how do you answer a question if a student says, why are they all black? <laughs> like, how do you propose we talk about the Trail of Tears or Japanese internment? And what's common in all of those different things? Like, how do we talk about those different things? How do we talk uh, about the again, Right. How do we talk <laughs> about the Holocaust? How do, we, how do we talk about all of these different things uh, in a way that even if you take the feeling out of it that is just about fact, the common factual denominator is white people. It's cis-heteropatriarchy. It is rich white people that is the common denominator in all of those genocides across history, specifically in this country. So how do we talk about any of those things? Uh, and we don't have quite an answer to that yet. <laughs> um, so it's just very, very interesting. Uh, also that they think that having these very real and factual conversations is some type of tool of the left. Like it's a woke thing now that we're talking about this. Um, so I, I think what's important for people to know is that 
my mom always says there's nothing new under the sun. And I think the same thing about these fights, right? People are talking about these book bannings as unprecedented. We've never seen anything like this before. I would argue that Black folks know that's not true. Because I'm sure at the beginning stages of integration, where there were going to be books that showed integrated couples or integrated households, school districts were like, absolutely not. Or that there's still school districts that are trying to ban, after marriage equality, trying to ban any books that had uh, gay folks or same-sex couples in them, right? This is not the first time. White supremacy is just finding more and more people to exclude at the same time, right? They're picking and choosing who they want to include, but they're finding more and more people to exclude from these conversations and say, we don't like you. Like, you're not like us. We don't like you. And news travels so much faster, right? Which is a blessing and a curse. Back in the 60s, we're sending letters and finding things out on the radio or TV, which takes a little bit longer from state to state, county to county. Right now, in a matter of seconds, I can find out about what's happening in Mississippi. And then we can all cross our T's and dot our I's and see, oh, wow, this is happening all across the country. So that gives us the ammunition that we need to fight back and be in coalition together and learn the strategies and tools, right? Um, and come together for not only federal elections, but state elections, all of that, right? Uh, but it, it just shows just how pervasive uh, and unoriginal these ideas are uh, when we see them popping up all over the country. No, so true, because uh, I always like to say now that history rhymes. I used to say history of pizza mm. Somebody corrected me and said, no, because it doesn't happen exactly the same way. It tweaks, mm. it evolves, it uses new technology or new tactics, but it's the same thing. So if you go and check out the ACLU's website, aclu.org, you know, they have a section on there about banned books because right. that was a thing. Like, and the ACLU had to fight and push back against that and right. say, listen, you know, freedom of speech, freedom of, you know, association and whatever you want to read, you read, right? That's up to you. That's you your choice, what you want to read in your household, right? right? So that, you know, so that again, is just a reiteration of an, an old theme. So, all right, but got to pivot back to you. So how can folks get involved in trying to fight back these horrendous bills? Yeah. So uh, I, I can send you the links mobile so that you can post them with this video, but uh, the, the individual freedom, the Stop Woke Act, is uh, up in committee tomorrow and the abortion ban is up in committee on Wednesday. That abortion ban has, after Wednesday, has only two more committees before it goes to the floor and gets voted on. And because it's a legislative priority, we're anticipating that it'll be signed into law before session is even over at the beginning of March. So it's a very quick timeline on these priorities. Like they know what they're doing. They know what they have the numbers to do. So you can make phone calls, you can send emails, you can make tweets. If any one of these legislators is pushing this bill is a legislator of yours, call them, let them know that you're a constituent. Sign up with an organization, whichever organization you feel most comfortable with. Um, you, you mentioned the ACLU, there's also Planned Parenthood, National Latina Institute, Floridians for Reproductive Freedom. Uh, there are clergy groups that are pushing back against this horrendous bill. There's a place for everybody to lend their voice their time and their dollars if they so choose and if they can. Um, we can't do nothing, right? Uh, I think it's important for people to be realistic and then also find the hope in the thing. Uh, right now we're outnumbered in the legislature. So the likelihood that this bill passes is high, right? Uh, just by pure numbers and how the Republicans play this game. 
Uh, but that doesn't mean that we do nothing. That doesn't mean that we sit idly by and just let these things happen. Give them hell. Uh, give them a lot of hell. Tell your families to give them hell. Give them hell. Let them know that you're displeased. And then take all of that righteous anger. And and I, I mean, I hate doing this and always bringing you back to voting because I know voting alone doesn't save Black people. But keep that anger, you know, when it comes time for the election. Keep that anger when it comes time to be involved and donate to candidates that are pro-choice and pro-abortion. Keep that same anger over Thanksgiving dinner with your family members when they're saying some reckless stuff at the table, right? Because all of this is on the same th the same theme of white supremacy, of patriarchy, like these words we keep mentioning. So keep that same anger with the people that are closest to you that are helping to uphold these systems. Uh, those are the things that we can do every single day um, as we're walking through our, our own lives. Awesome. And then how do people find you? <laughs> fabulosity. <laughs> I am on all of the social medias. Uh, I'm normally the first one that pops up because my mother gave me this spelling of my first name that I so love. Uh, so on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, it's my first name, last name, J-A-S-M-E-N-R-O-G-E-R-S. You can also find me at foldingchairconsulting.org, where you can also send me an email. And Melba also knows where to find me. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jasmine, for joining us on Mondays with Melba, sharing your insights into some really damaging bills. Um, I hope folks found this session useful and will also take action, right? Each one, teach one. So like, comment, share this video, make sure that- oh. Let's know what's at stake. And yes, Jasmine. Yeah, and uh, other ways I, I should have remembered this off the top of my head. We are planning a mobilization to Tallahassee on February 22nd. So we have 800 people that are signed up. Uh, it's in support of Repro Freedom. I'll also give you that link, Melba, for the caption. Uh, folks can register to still join us. Unfortunately, the cutoff for transportation is done. 800 people to Tallahassee is a lot. Uh, but if you can on your own, feel free to drive and join us. And up until February 22nd, we're hosting weekly events. So actually this week, we're celebrating an interfaith week at 6 p.m. tonight. We're hosting a forum about faith and repro. On Wednesday, we have a secular view of uh, the, the connection of faith and repro, as, uh, as well as a conversation, a bilingual conversation about Latinas and faith and abortion access. Uh, and then on Thursday, we're having a conversation with legislators and abortion, abortion providers. So we really just want to keep people, keep, again, keep that anger rumbling and keep people engaged. So I'll just make sure you have all of that information. Thank you. And y'all make sure to check the comments because that's where I'll be sharing stuff. And also keep in mind, November is around the corner. We've got yeah. primaries in August and we've got general elections in November. Make sure that you are getting informed, getting ready. Make sure that you find out all the deadlines. I'll be sure to share them here for Florida, but for my viewers in other states, make sure that you know your cutoff to get your vote by mail ballot so that you don't end up in a situation where you're standing in bad weather, long lines, <laughs> trying to vote, right? And don't forget these issues and who voted yay and who mm. voted Make Remember to you know vote your conscience, but always remember to vote. All right. With all that being said, thank you again, Jasmine. Thank, thank you, you, everyone. Take good care. Tune in next week for the start of Black History Month. I'm going to feature uh, three really cool people that have different perspectives and or have a business that you should definitely support. So take good care, y'all. Bye.
Good night.